Well, God bless you. It's so good to be back again with you today. And thanks so much for coming again today. We realize it's not always possible for you to travel somewhere and to fellowship with the other people there. So we bring that service to you wherever you are, anywhere in Israel, and as you know, anywhere in the world. Thanks for joining us. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you discover God's peace and His promises for your life. Would you open in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 41? Be'evrit in Hebrew, Be'evrit ha-sefer bereshit. Remember Genesis, ha-sefer, the book of beginnings, bereshit. In chapter 41, that's where we're going to be today. And we'll also put those verses up here for you in the video just to make it easier for you to follow along. Now, today I'd like to talk to you about the second part of our series that we started last week. Remember, the name of that series is Patient in the Plan. And today we're in part two of this two-part series. Now, we said last week that we all have trials at times where it seems like we're all alone. We're facing something that we've never really faced before. And it looks like we're surrounded by darkness and all this situation around us. And we can't make sense of what we're in. And at times like these, it's easy, isn't it, just to give up and just to lose hope and to start thinking, well, I'm never going to be normal again. I'm never going to have a normal life again. I might as well get used to it. This is just going to be the way it is from now on. But that's not so. God has a plan for you where you are, and He has a plan to bring you out of that and onto something that's going to be wonderful as well. Those thoughts must have crossed Joseph's mind, though, from time to time. Uh, Joseph, the young Hebrew guy that we're reading about nowadays, and uh, he must have had those thoughts from time to time. He certainly was all alone, wasn't he? He was very far from home, having been sold into slavery, and even the people at his own home thought he was dead. And now he was sold into slavery down into Egypt, at least at first, though things were looking a bit better. He was serving a master who was a good guy, it seemed like, and he put him in charge of everything that he had, and he was a very wealthy man. But this master that he had, Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard, noticed that there was something different about Joseph. And I'm not just talking about physically, he noticed that God was with Joseph. Everything that he assigned for Joseph to do ended up being blessed, ended up turning out really well. And so he gradually assigned Joseph more and more things to do. Remember that verse that we quoted last week, he who is faithful in that which is least is faithful in more. If you're responsible for what God has given you, even though it seems like only a small area, you be faithful with that and God will entrust more to you later on. That's just the biblical principle that Jesus spoke of in the New Testament. And we see Joseph now, though he's, he had this problem at his master's house, and even though his master was happy with him, eventually his master's wife actually falsely accused Joseph of trying to attack her sexually. And the master heard about this, and he threw Joseph in a deep, dark prison. 
Joseph had lost the only friends that he had met in the strange new country that he had found himself in, and yet he never really he never really complained, did he? We never see anywhere in the Bible that Joseph complained about his situation where he was doubting God. Still, he might have wondered from time to time, why am I in this present anyway? Why was it that God had brought him here? After all, he had been doing good things. He had been an honest man, and he had tried his best to take care of the other people that were there with him at his master's place. But now here he was in this dark, dreary prison. And still he tried to be a man who honored God. When he was tempted to be depressed, he resisted. When the enemy tempted him with thoughts that God had abandoned him and didn't want to talk to him anymore, instead of falling away, Joseph used that as an opportunity to draw even closer to the Lord. He was all alone, but he wasn't really all alone. God was there with him. Even there in that lonely prison, God was with Joseph, watching over him, caring for him. Even there, God was blessing him and giving him favor, even to the warden of the prison, who noticed the same thing that Joseph's previous master had noticed, that whatever he assigned him to do, God would bless the young man's actions. And so the warden of the prison noticed this. And God calls the warden of the prison to notice this. And so he started entrusting more and more to Yosef, which is how you say Joseph Beavrit in Hebrew, Yosef. So he started entrusting Yosef with more and more. Now in that prison, Joseph could have been depressed. He could have been hopeless. We know in those situations that we face, there's times when we're depressed, times when we're tempted to be hopeless and Joseph could have started questioning God. But he knew that God had him there for a reason, that he was keeping him there for a purpose, and that one day when the time had come, when God's perfect timing had come, God would bring him out of there again. So instead of worrying about himself, Joseph turned his attention away from those thoughts and started helping the other prisoners around him, you see. And even though he was in need of encouragement, that's right, even though Joseph was the one that was in need of encouragement, he turned his efforts to encouraging others. He made a new lifestyle for himself when the, within those prison walls. He would serve others and be a light to those in darkness. He would live out the life of one who trusted in God in front of the other prisoners. And he would bring hope to the hopeless and caring compassion to those who had no one else in their lives. They were all alone there too, you see. He would use what little he had, which he didn't have any physical possessions, didn't have any monetary possessions, didn't have any of that to give to the other people, but he could give hope and he could encourage others. And so he would use what little he had to help others who were brokenhearted, to help others who were hopeless. And if he ever started feeling bad for himself, he certainly hid it well. No one knows of any reports that he felt bad about himself or pitied himself in his situation that he was in. He turned his attention away from his own needs, in fact, and went on to helping others instead. In fact, there was only one time when he tried to help himself, to free himself from the trial that he was in. 
And that one time was found in the last verses of the chapter that we read last week. Remember, after interpreting the dream of Paro's butler, remember Paro is how we say Pharaoh, Beavrit, or in Hebrew. After interpreting the dreams of Paro's butler and telling him that he would be free in only three days' time, Joseph asked the butler then to remember him when he was released and to speak about him to others on the outside so that he might get out of that prison too. But God had a plan and a reason for Joseph to be in that prison for a little while longer. And that's what happens at times. At times you find yourself right there in the middle of the trials. It's, it's important to simply rest in God's care. God knows what He's doing. He'll bring you out of that trial and out into the light again at just the right time. And the Lord will use you mightily as a result of what you've gone through. Don't try to take matters into your own hands. Don't try to promote yourself or you know, lift yourself up before others. Wait on the Lord and let Him promote you when the time is right. You just focus on humility. You focus on listening to the Lord and be content with where He has you at that time. With what you have at that time, be content. Remember the words of Micah in the Tanakh, chapter 6, verse 8. It says, Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. This is what God requires of you, those verses say. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Now remember that God is there with you. Everything is going to work out in the end. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen to you because God is taking care of you. God is watching out for you. He's looking over you and bringing you to just exactly where you need to be at just exactly the right time. You just stay there. You finish that test. Honor God in your patience. He's going to notice you and He'll rescue you, and He'll bring you out again into the light. Just finish that test. Now let's see what happened to Joseph next in Genesis chapter 41, starting at verse 1. It says, Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Paro had a dream. And behold, he stood by the river, and suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Paro awoke, it says. Then in verse 5, it says, He slept and dreamed a second time. And suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good-looking grain. Verse 6, Then behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, that would have been a hot wind, sprang up after them, and the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Paro awoke again, and indeed it was a dream. He had dreamed a second dream. Verse 8 then says, Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent, he called for the magicians of Egypt and all of its wise men, so-called wise men, who knew how to interpret dreams, so he thought, so they thought. And Paro told them his dreams, but there was no one 
who could tell him what it meant. There was no one who could interpret those dreams for Paro. Now let's talk about these first verses for a while. Paro had a dream, not just one, but two dreams. And out of the assembly of wise men that Paro had around him in the most powerful nation on the earth at that time, all of these wise men that were in the palace, hand-selected by Paro to be the wisest in the land, not one of them could tell them, could tell him his dreams and what it meant. No one could tell Paro what the dreams meant. So this troubled Paro even more. And in those days, people thought that dreams could give prophetic messages or other important knowledge about their lives. So if the dream could not be understood or interpreted, then people wouldn't rest until they had an interpretation for it. And that's the way it was with Paro. Even though he was a king, he knew that dreams were important and that they contained messages at that time. That's what they believed. Now let's go on to verse 9 and we'll see how this story unfolds. It says, Then the chief butler spoke to Paro, saying, I remember my faults this day. And when Paro was angry with his servants, and he's talking about a couple of years ago, and he put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, verse 11 then says, We each had a dream in one night. He had one, and I had one, and each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. And then he says in verse 12, Now I remember there was a young Hebrew man there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he said, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He interpreted our dreams accurately, in other words, is what he's saying. And he, Pharaoh had restored me to my office and Pharaoh hanged the other guy and, and the baker. And, and so this is what the butler is now recounting to Pharaoh. Well, it's been a while now since that happened. It's been a couple of years. So now we see the butler in there in the presence of Paro. He hears what's going on about Paro's dreams. He hears what's going on that the wise men can't tell him what Paro's dreams mean and that Paro is really troubled about this. And so he tells Paro of this young Hebrew man that he had met two years ago in prison. And he tells Paro that this young man can not only interpret the dreams, but that he himself had witnessed the fulfillment of that interpretation of his dream exactly as the young man said it would happen, even though it seemed unlikely. He was there in the present, and Joseph said, within three days, you're going to be out of here, and remember me when you're out of here. Well, you know, it's easy for anyone to say those words, and, you know, it's just it's a dream, and he might not have been able to really interpret the dreams, but Paro, this young man told me in three days I was going to be turned loose, and in three days, guess what? I was released. Now I'm back here serving you. So Paro was impressed. It says in verse 14 then, as we continue, Paro sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And he shaved and changed his clothing and came to Paro. And Paro said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and there's no one who can tell me what it means. There's no one who can interpret it. But I've heard that it was said of you that you understand a dream and you can interpret it. 
Then Joseph said in verse 16, Joseph answered Paro and said, It's not in me. God will give Paro an answer of peace. God will make you to know what the dream means. It's nothing that I have, he said. Now we see that Joseph is being called for in these verses that we just read. He's being called for, and for the first time, someone on the outside is calling for him. No one else really even cared about him. No one else knew that he was there or cared that he was there. And he didn't have anyone, certainly not the king of Egypt, calling for him. But now we see that Joseph is being called for. And this might be the day that the Lord frees him from the prison. So he cleans up. He shaves. He puts on some clean clothes. He brushes his teeth and uses some mouthwash and puts on some of that good smelling cologne like Old Spice or something. And had his fingernails manicured. Well, wait. Okay. We don't know that he did all of that. But he did shave and change his clothes. Then he goes on to appear before Paro, and Paro asked Joseph if he really can interpret dreams. And Joseph answered, it's not me, it's God. Now remember, the king of Egypt had just pulled out a lowly prisoner out of a prison and is meeting with him in the royal palace. We don't even know if Paro knew Joseph before or what he was even in prison for. It must have been awkward for those so-called wise men who were in Paro's court, all standing around looking at this lowly prisoner that Paro has just summoned to him and asking him to tell uh, him the interpretation of his dreams when all of these so-called wise men who are supposed to be the guys with the answers, who were supposed to be able to interpret dreams, but none of them could do that. It must have been awkward for those guys standing around watching this young foreigner now being asked by the king of Egypt to interpret the dream. But what happened next was even more alarming to them. Joseph interpreted the dream because God gave him the interpretation. And so remember, these wise men couldn't interpret that dream, but God was able to. Now look at Joseph's answer before we give the interpretation. Look at Joseph's answer to the king. He didn't start by telling the king a, a long list of all the dreams he's had or of the times that he's interpreted dreams. No, he didn't give the king his resume. Instead, Joseph basically said, well, king, I'm really nothing. I'm a nobody, but God can give you an interpretation for your dreams. I love that. Joseph is using every opportunity he has to bring glory to God Almighty. That's the way we should live life, always looking for opportunities to give the glory and the credit and the honor to God Almighty. Now, at the same time, Joseph was humbling himself. Just the opposite of the way that the world expects you to act. The world would say, well, Joseph, this is your opportunity. You go in there, man. You stand for yourselves. You talk about all the things that you've accomplished. You have some self-esteem. You just build yourself up. And, you know, even if you have to kind of exaggerate the truth, you just tell them what you need to do to get that job. That's the way the world says to do it. God says to do it the opposite. Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Joseph was humbling himself, just the opposite of the way the world would expect him to act today. Joseph isn't trying to be important. He's putting God first. 
Now let's continue in verse 17. Then Paro said to Yosef, Behold, in my dream, now he's telling them the dreams, Behold, in my dream, I stood on the bank of the river. Verse 18, Suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, and they were fine-looking and fat, well-fed in the meadow. And then verse 19 says, Then behold, seven other cows came up after them, and these cows looked poor and ugly and gaunt, and such ugliness I haven't even seen it ever in the land of Egypt. That's how thin and, and helpless and hopeless these cows looked. But yet these gaunt and ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows. Verse 21, And when they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them because they were just as ugly as they were at the beginning. So I woke up. Then verse 22, he continues, and we'll go all the way uh, on in the chapter. He says in verse 22, Also I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk, heads of grain, full and good. Verse 23, Then behold, seven heads withered and thin and blighted by that hot east wind. That east wind has a tendency of being hot over there, you see. And it sprang, these seven heads that were withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind sprang up after them. And the thin heads devoured or ate up the seven good heads. So I told this dream to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Paro is telling Joseph this. Then in verse 25, then Joseph thinks about it for a while, and he says to Paro, the dreams of Paro are one. God has shown Paro what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are about the same thing. The dreams are one. Their interpretation is one. That's what he's saying. Then in verse 27, it says, And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty heads blinded by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Paro. God has shown Paro what he is about to do. This is what Joseph is telling Paro now. God has shown him, he's shown Paro what he's about to do. Verse 29 continues, Indeed, seven years of great plentiful will come throughout the land of Egypt, but after them seven years of famine will arise, and all of the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will empty or deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land. It won't be remembered anymore because of the severity, you see, of the famine, because it will be very severe, he says in verse 31. And verse 32, And the dream was repeated to Paro two times because the thing is established by God, and God will bring it to pass shortly. It's going to happen quickly, Paro. That's what Joseph is telling the king of Egypt. It's going to happen quickly. These things are going to happen. You're going to have seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And no one's going to remember the good times because the bad times that are coming after it are going to be so severe. Then in verse 33, he continues and says, Now, therefore, let Paro select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Paro do this and let him appoint officers over the land 
to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven good years, in the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all of that food for those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Paro. And let them keep food in the cities where it could be distributed later, you see. And then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land may not perish during the famine. That's a pretty good plan, sounds like. In verse 37, he continues, So the advice was good in the eyes of Paro and in the eyes of his servants. And I mean, think about it now. They couldn't give you an interpretation to the dreams. And here's this young Hebrew man, Joseph, who gave the interpretation. So now he says, okay, here's what you should do. So at this time, they're agreeing with Joseph. They see that he's a winner and they're lining up behind him. Now, oh yeah, advice is good. Listen to him, Paro. <laughs> you see, so the advice was good in the eyes of Paro and in the eyes of his servants, it says in verse 37. Then in verse 38, and Paro said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? How do you want to be known in life? Just real quickly before we continue. Do you want to be known as a man who accomplished this and that and that? Do you want to be known as a woman who did this and this and this with her life? Do you want to be known as someone who was special above other people? Who, who did all of these things, who lifted themselves up to success all by themselves? Or do you want to be known as someone that God lived in you? Someone that God walked with. Someone that blessed was blessed by the Spirit of God. They said, can we find such a one as this man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Paro, it says in verse 39, Then Paro said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God shown all of this to you, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. So you shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. In other words, he's given him all responsibility for the land of Egypt, and I'll still be the king, but I'm going to let you do whatever you think is best. My goodness. And look at verse 41. And Paro said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all of the land of Egypt. Now once again we see Joseph trusting God for the right answer. And he puts his own life on the line, counting on God to reveal to Paro the meaning of the dreams. He could have said that the dreams were about anything. But God opened Paro's understanding so that he would know that what Joseph was telling him was a truth, and it was from the true and living, the only real God, the creator of all things. And God caused Pyro to understand that what was being told him about these interpretations was from the very throne of God. And Pyro could have said, wait a minute, cows are years, heads of grain are years, what are you talking about, man? Get out of here, off with his head, this guy is speaking craziness. But God had revealed to Pyro's heart that the young Hebrew man was speaking the truth and that it was from God. And so he put him in power 
over all of Egypt. He wanted to have a representative from the true and living God, a man who had this connection with God. He wanted him to be over the affairs of his kingdom. Yosef tells the king that the two dreams are really the same, that they're being communicated two times because this is going to happen really quickly. It's going to happen soon. Better start getting ready. That's what he was saying. He then goes on to give Paro some counsel about what to do in order to prepare his coming famine and how the king can save his nation. Well, Joseph didn't say, look, choose me, choose me. I'm really good at this, and I'll, I'll get in there. I'll organize everything. He didn't do any of that. He said Paro should choose a man, a wise man who he can trust to do this, to do this, and do this, and appoint other people to do this, this, and this. And he outlines his whole detailed plan without ever mentioning that he would be the guy that would do it. And then he lets Paro decide for himself. And he sees, probably, as Paro is thinking it over, that even then, while Joseph is silent, Joseph can see that God is working with Paro's heart. And he sees then when Paro says, well, can we find any man as discerning and wise as you? And then at that point, Joseph's probably going, wow, God, thank you. Thank you. He's probably inside thanking the Lord and seeing this incredible, utterly incredible miracle that God is doing right before him. We'll talk more about that in just a couple of minutes. God reveals to Paro that the young man's interpretation is the right one. He notices Joseph has the connection with the true and living God who made all things. Now, that's really something. Because at that time in history, Egypt had over 3,000 false gods, so-called gods. God with a lowercase g, not a capital G. Egypt had over 3,000 false gods. And here Paro is recognizing that Joseph has a connection with the only real, true God. And God has revealed it to Paro's heart. And for Paro to notice that Joseph's God is the real God, the one with the answers, the one with the power, the one who knows the future, for Paro to recognize that God Almighty has given Joseph wisdom is really a huge miracle. But remember, God desires for all people to know Him and be saved. You may think, well, it's just for the believers, just for the people in Israel. God desires for no one to perish, but for all people to come to Him and be saved. He will use Israel, and He will use the believers in order to bring His will about. And He used Israel to bring His Messiah about. And He uses the believers to witness and share Him with other people. And one day all of Israel will be saved. We're told in the prophecies of the Tanakh. And they will call upon the name of the Lord. And there's a day after that war at Magog and Gog invasion. There on the northern mountains of Israel. God says from that day on, they, Israel, will know that I am the Lord. Well, what does that mean? It means that at present, most of them do not know that He is the Lord. They don't know, they haven't connected the Jewish Mashiach, Yeshua, to the God that they say that they believe in. 
But he says in that verse in Ezekiel, Yehezkel Hanavi, Ezekiel the prophet, he says, from that day on when I turn back Gog and Magog on the northern mountains of Israel, Israel will know that I am the Lord. That day is coming. You just keep sharing with our Jewish brothers and sisters. You know that I'm Jewish, came from a Jewish family. And when I go over there, I, I fellowship with my brothers there and the rabbis. I, I know many of them. And uh, there are many, many people with good hearts who are truly searching for the Lord and their eyes are blinded. But God is going to open their eyes soon. And all Israel will be saved. And we're promised that in the Tanakh, the Old Testament of the scriptures, which Christians and Jews alike believe. For Pharaoh to recognize that God Almighty had given Joseph wisdom, really big step. God desires all people to know the Lord and come to Him. So the king puts everything in Egypt under Joseph's authority. Now think about what a huge miracle that was. Two hours ago, Joseph was a lonely, dirty, scroungy, lowly prisoner in a dark dungeon where the undesirables of society were kept. They were kept out of sight down there and now he's in charge of the most advanced country in the world in complete authority. Two hours from lowly prisoner to head over the entire nation. He's the prime minister of Egypt. Yes, God's timing is perfect. Say it with me. God's timing is perfect. And just like in Joseph's life, there's a time when you're hidden away for a while, stuck in the darkness for a time, thinking nobody can help you, nobody even knows that you're there, and remember that God is there with you. And that there is a time also of revealing and blessing at the end when God's going to bring you through all of that and out the other side and into the light again. Just as there's a time of preparation for a while, there's a time to do what you've been prepared for. Just as there's a delay before the action, there's also a time for the action. Joseph had patiently waited for the Lord all of his time in prison, not complaining. And now the Lord is bringing him out to the light of day again. And not just bringing him out of the prison, but bringing him out from a lowly prisoner to becoming the prime minister over all of Egypt. Sound impossible? Nothing is impossible with God. When He gives the command, all creation stands at attention and receives its orders and goes to work immediately to enforce His desires. He is the Lord. There is no wisdom. There is no power. There is no counsel that can stand against Him. He is God Most High. He is God Almighty and you are his child. When your time has come, when God speaks the word, then he will use you in a mighty way. Just wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Amen. Why don't you give your life to him today, right now? If you call out to the Lord, he'll hear that cry and he'll answer you. And He'll rescue you from that darkness that you're in. He'll rescue you and bring you out of that darkness. And He'll shine His light on your heart and you'll be given a new life. And He'll change you into a new person. Throw all those past failures away. 
you'll be made completely new, given a new start. And He'll even give you everlasting life in heaven, and that's guaranteed by God Himself. The greatest gift for the least amount of effort, believing in His Mashiach, the Son of God, Jesus, as the Lord. And God will give you everlasting life because you're honoring His Son that honors the Father. We want to give you an opportunity to believe in Yeshua as the Mashiach today, to believe on Him as Messiah and Lord, and to receive God's peace in your own life. You can be saved and given everlasting life in heaven by simply believing that God sent His one and only Son into the world to save us from judgment. You can pray something like this. And you can even repeat it after me if you'd like. Just say, God, I do want to know you and have real peace in life. I believe on your Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord. Please forgive all my sins. I give my life to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I'll tell you something. God heard you. And even now, He's already started working in your life. You may not be able to feel any emotion or any tingle going down your back or anything, but already He's planted a little seed deep down in your heart if you've asked Him to save you. Over time, you're going to begin to see the wonderful changes that God's making in your life. Get in a good Bible-based church. Learn about Him every day in His Word. Talk to Him every day in prayer. He's going to do beautiful things in your life.